live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Noor Menninger. It can be safely said that Benjamin Netanyahu is one of the most controversial figures in Israeli politics. He's seen by many as the savior of the Jewish people, while many others consider him the antithesis to everything democratic and Israeli. He's worshipped, he's cursed, he's praised, and he's ridiculed. One thing is for sure, no one is indifferent to Bibi. It's only fitting that such a leader would be embroiled in corruption charges for most of his political career. Most recently, the cases nicknamed Cases 1000 through 4000 have intermittently surfaced in the headlines here in Israel and around the world. Cigars and champagne, German submarines, secret deals for favorable coverage, conflicts of interest, conflicts of interest, conflicts of interest. However, Netanyahu is also held up as one of the great leaders of our time. He's hailed for taking a hard line against some of Israel's staunchest critics and most hostile enemies. His international diplomacy is unrivaled in the Israeli political sphere. His free market capitalism and the policies he set in motion during his tenure as finance minister are credited by many with restoring Israel's economy after the Second Intifada. So it's about time. We need to talk about Bibi. Lahav Halkov is the senior Knesset reporter and the analyst for the Jerusalem Post. She's often invited to lecture on Israeli government and politics in Israel and abroad. The BBC, France 24, Sky News, and many others have sought her insights about breaking news. She's published articles in Commentary, the New York Post, Tablet, Makori Shon, just to name a few. And she was recently recognized by the JTA as the fifth most influential person on Jewish Twitter. Lahav Harkov joins us today to tackle the man that is Bibi, not literally. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Also in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. And of course, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think in the comments or send us a message on Facebook. But it also helps that it's his birthday in five days, which we just figured out. Yeah. So that's uh, happy birthday, BB. Yeah, happy birthday, BB. <laughs> How are you, so, love? Hi. Great. Happy you, to be here. Thanks for coming. Have you ever actually uh, met in person with BB and interviewed him? Uh, yeah, I've met with him more than once, uh, briefings, things like that. Uh, I've not had uh, like an interview where it's you know a published interview with him. And wh- how did he impress you, if at all? What impression? He is. Okay, so last summer, there was a thing that BB was doing um, where he was inviting, every week he was inviting like a different media outlet to have all of their top reporters and editors and people come and he would brief them. And it would be hours and hours. So when J-Post came, it was J-Post and Mariv together because we have the same owner. And I think we were there for four hours, maybe five hours. And I came out of the briefing and and you know it's an off-the-record briefing so i can't really tell you much of what he said except for things that say other people had broken the agreement and reported but basically i came out of it feeling like on the one hand he's brilliant and on the other hand he's not a hundred percent attached to the reality of his voters and and even not his voters just israelis How reality so? in general um yeah, you know, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. But I, I don't think, and you know, it's not like these like stupid things where people are want to ask him like, how much does a carton of milk cost? Like, it's not on that level. But I, I think he 
doesn't necessarily understand what people are concerned about beyond security things. Um, and he doesn't necessarily know how to connect. Um, and on the other hand, he does extremely well in elections and he manages to connect on that level. So I think people see him as this, or the people who vote for him at least see him as this like great statesman. And so they connect to him on that. But it, it I don't think that he's, really able to connect on a person to person level that was that was the feeling I got you know obviously you know he has a family whatever so he somehow is able to do it with some people but the, that was like this very strong mm-hmm. that like he he knows how to put on a show and everyone in Israel knows he knows how to put on a show we've all seen his speeches to the yeah. UN and he gives great speeches at the Knesset too um but you know when he's sitting in a room of people who are looking at him and eye level he's still putting on that show I wonder if that's the problem he had, you know, because there's a lot of talk about how his and Obama's relationship um, was was uh, was sort of a lot of strife. And I wonder if maybe that was because Obama was kind of a person that liked to, I guess, or at least this is how he was very pe- social depicted in the in the media is that, yeah, he was very sociable. He liked to sit down and kind of shoot the shit you know to, to... i think obama also uh thinks he's the smartest person in the room and yeah. so does netanyahu uh, so that's okay. difficult although i wonder i mean i feel like probably a lot of world leaders do right mm-hmm. like you to be a successful politician you need a good amount of ego uh, but i think that they really bristled um because they both were very certain that they were right and they both thought very different things um and i also think that you know, Obama came came into this with a negative impression of Netanyahu. If you read art, like reports on these mm-hmm. things, um, he was told by his advisors, I can't remember off the top of my warned, head. Warned maybe is the word. Warned. Yeah, they said that he's, you know, basically like a Republican senator. He's the Republican senator from Jerusalem. That's, that's mm-hmm. what one of his advisors told him about Netanyahu. And they say that Netanyahu actually was more of an open book, that he had met Netanyahu, uh, he had met Obama once before. And you know, we want to see, you know, maybe things would be okay. And then, and then they really weren't. Yeah. I think so, maybe it was in Michael Orton's book, but I don't hold me to that. Which one? The ally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who we had here, by the way, on the podcast. But not hopefully. to talk about ally. Yet. Yeah. We need to bring yeah. him again. Yeah. We need to bring um, him back. But uh, something that's always, uh, uh, talked about here in Israel because of the nature of the parliamentary system is, you know, when's the next election and whether or not, this one's going to hold up, and especially this one, which never got off to a really strong start. Um, people are wondering, no one expected, I think, for it to last this long, and, and people are always wondering when it's going to kind of, you know, crumble apart. Do you, how do you see BB navigating, you know, through the political waters until the next election? Do you, do you see him surviving, you know, with all these criminal charges also? And uh, do you see it coming sooner or later? So, I- I can say as someone who who knows the people who predict elections in the newspapers that I think for a lot of them, it's really wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from the fact that it's a lot of it's, it's intense, but it's a lot of fun being a reporter during an election. Um, I think a lot of them would like to see Netanyahu, you know, go home. Um, and I, I just why? Yeah. Um, this is like the eternal question of like, why? Um, do people who are in the media tend to be liberal? And I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I think that it's overblown and they're not all liberal. Um, certainly not in the political core of people who report for the Knesset. But uh, yeah, I don't really have a good answer. I mean, I mean, it's kind of know. their job, though, no? I mean, the journalism is called no, the watchdog it's your job. of, you know. It's your job to be the watchdog of democracy. It's your job to 
to criticize in the sense of, you know, look for the things that are wrong and point them out and tell the truth. It's not your job to, to, you know, like or dislike someone more or less. And we're all human beings, Whoa. you know, so you got to filter what you can. A but, watchdog barks and he bites whoever crosses the fence. And but then, you whoever, know. that's the word, whoever, yeah. as opposed to just one person yeah. as opposed to the other. Okay. You know, and, and yeah. nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect either. Um, but I, you know, I think that a lot of people who are predicting elections all the time, like it's if they were really thinking a little more clearly, they wouldn't be this coalition as much as people. There's always fighting. It's politics. That's the nature of politics. But this coalition is is pretty solid, especially since it was expanded to include Yisrael Beitenu, because mm-hmm. before that they had a one seat majority. But now that they have um, a six seat majority. Lieberman. Yes, Lieberman's ahead of Yisrael Beitenu, he's defense minister. So now that they have a more stable majority, um, and, you know, it's been more than a year now, I just think that people saying that there's going to be election over this, there's going to be over election, you know, an election over that are mostly kidding themselves because the the coalition is very homogeneous. Mm-hmm. And yet this is the most uh, right-wing coalition probably that will ever be. Well, it okay, so can't I can't get any more careful what you wish for. <laughs> right, people think that this people say this is the most right-wing coalition in Israel's history. I don't think that's true, but it is I'll the s- most right-wing coalition since Yitzhak Shamir. That I'm willing to say. Which Yitzhak Shamir? Which one? The one right before Rabin. Which was more right-wing? Which, I think it was more right-wing. The coalition fell apart. We're talking 88 to 92. To 92. Believe, yeah. yeah. How so? Um, there was no one in that coalition who was willing to entertain the idea of a Palestinian state. The coalition fell apart because Shamir went to the Madrid conference where Shamir was basically forced to go to the conference by America. Shamir did not want there to be a Palestinian state and he wasn't really willing to make any concessions, but he just showed his face at this conference that also had Palestinians and the far right wing parties in his coalition pulled out and there was an election and that brought us Rabid. Right. Wow. By the way, I think in that um, coalition, up until like the 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 middle term of it, uh, I think the Labour Party was inside this uh, this uh, well, government. For most of the eighties, there was this rotation scheme right, right. between Paris and Shamir because they were like basically tied in all of the in multiple. So elections. let's say in modern times, like since then, <laughs> since it Oslo. is a very right wing government, yes. and in the current um, how things are held here in in this state. It can't get much more right wing. No, it can't. In the there's, future, there's no one more right wing that's not in the coalition right exactly. now, right? I mean, so no one has an interest for it to fail. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I think a lot of these predictions that there's going to be election sooner are just but, ridiculous. But then we get to the fact that uh, that there are a lot of investigations going on. Just today, we read about uh, the head of the Sephardic uh, Orthodox Party, which is Shas, mm-hmm. and its leader is Aryeh Deri, who was in jail once. For corruption. <laughs> and, and probably, it seems that there's a good chance he will return to Right. In America, cell. if you're a felon, <laughs> if you're a convicted felon, you can't even vote. Right. In Israel, if you're a convicted felon, you have a seven-year waiting period. <laughs> yeah, 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 for politics. Right. So it seems that he's going for, for um, a trial. And now there are four uh, investigations uh, open and held against uh, Bibi. Right? So, well, so this the submarines therapist... aren't against Bibi. That was uh, in your... Uh, P- mm, not yet. Not Well... Right, which but, uh, but it's it's you, weird we don't because, know if it will be or it won't be. Right, it seems like it's one of the ones that are like one of the most you know serious ones, and also one of the ones that are tied most closely to. I mean, he 
How can so, you not know? Let's talk about let's, the submarine. Yeah, this brings okay. us this brings us again to the topic of media in general. I think it's like it's very important a lot of times for people to be careful media consumers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of press outlets that try to tie, for example, the submarine case to BB much more strongly than than it is than it actually is people who are very very close to him are involved in the submarine scandal and so it's possible that he will become a person of interest but up until this point he's not even been questioned on the topic let's let's take a step back and yeah. and go really quick re- quickly through the four investigations okay oh man you want me to match the numbers to the topics i don't know if i <laughs> so <remember> case <laughs> 1000 is let's start with case 1000 it's the cigars, cigars and, champagne, and champagne yes which is uh bb is basically being indicted for receiving gifts from arnold arnold milchen who is a, a israeli born hollywood uh, producer yeah he did pretty um, woman he did mr and mrs smith yeah. yeah. So BB is being charged basically for receiving gifts and uh, giving, you, you know, in return favors. Um, right. And specifically, they say that Netanyahu spoke to then Secretary of State John Kerry to help Milton get a 10 year visa because he's not an American yeah. citizen. Which he couldn't get because some people claim. No, he it's was... not some people claim. He claims. He wrote a he book claimed, yeah. saying that he's a Mossad agent or he was, was a Mossad. He was... No, it wasn't Mossad. It was a different organization that was like technology. Mm hmm. He was a secret, short, angel, a secret agent, agent. Yeah. so he claims when he was in Hollywood, yeah. and so he couldn't get a visa, so he, he had to bribe, allegedly, BB so that he can help him get a visa to the States and do his business there. That's the, the case, basically. Yeah, there are other millionaires who um, were questioned about doing all kinds of Mm-hmm. You know, that Netanyahu did favors for them. and He and claims forth. that he just got gifts like a friend got gifts. Right. Well, so the thing with Milton is that it's over the years. He would come. He mm-hmm. would give Netanyahu a box of cigars. He would give Netanyahu's wife a bottle of pink champagne. Over the years, those things add up to a large sum of money because, you know, he wasn't giving them like, you know, yeah. $5 Like hundreds, of hundreds of thousands of shekels, allegedly. E- alleged. Right. So, and it's looking pretty... Uh, also, it's Serious. worth mentioning yeah. that in Bibi's first term in the late 90s, he was almost um, trialed, almost, in, almost, almost indicted, indi- yeah. indicted uh, for a similar incident where That's he right. received gifts from, from friends. Um, mm-hmm. And really, yes. in the last moment, he got out of it just because of mercy, basically. Because, and, uh, and now... It's a classic case of, uh, you know, the fox who returns to the, I don't know. But it's interesting because you don't <laughs> see, you yeah. don't even see him smoking cigars. It's like. There's like a, there's a famous story yeah. that um, of, of Netanyahu meeting with a reporter. I think it was from Galeit Sahal. Um, and that his cigar. It's Amit Segal, I think. It was Amit Segal. Yeah. Um, so, and he put a cigar in his pocket, but didn't put the cigar out. And it's burned a hole in his pocket, like during the interview. Wow. <laughs> um, but the, no, the metaphor is so ripe there. Yeah, that. exactly. But um, it's also, you know, n- none of them smoke cigars in public. There's at least a handful of politicians who I know smoke cigars when they're in meetings together. Yeah. Um, I mean, when people talk about the, you know, around like 2012, when people seriously thought Israel was going to bomb Iran, anybody who would describe any meeting about that, Netanyahu and Barack, um, would say that the room was full of cigar smoke all the time. Mm. They're they're both cigar and whiskey fans. That's so how- nice to hear as a citizen that such discussions were... Yeah. Or being so, held so how close, manner. I mean, you know, as someone who's got the inside scoop, 
we're looking for that. No, I'm kidding. But how close do you think that Netanyahu actually is to, you know, seeing the inside of a courtroom? Um, honestly, I um, think that, that it's like case. a fool's game to predict it because, yeah. you know, we really don't we don't know if he's going to be indicted at all. Yeah. You know, I it looks really from the things we know, it looks really bad. But mm-hmm. in the end, there's one person who makes a decision, and that's the attorney general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a regular... When you have politicians, it's not like a regular trial. The attorney general takes care of it because it's especially sensitive. Who appoints um, him? Right. And Netanyahu appointed this uh, attorney general. Although I don't want to cast any aspersions on him. Avichai Mandelblit is his name. He was the chief... Um, the head of the military yeah the chief um <laughs> like trying military to the, the chief the Man. chief military prosecutor i think right. would be the term um you know he's very serious and very respected um, yeah, just, but at the but, same time he was yeah. appointed by Netanyahu. Yeah, our system in some ways it is very fl- very much flawed. Um um yeah, you know? i think that that's how it works in a lot of places. I mean, I know in the US the attorney general is is appointed by the president. Um, right. I'm not sure about that specific position in other places. In okay, the world. so let's move on to case 2000, which is all even more interesting, right? Yeah. It's the Yediot Achonot yes. case. So this Brief is us. a case where um they're gonna have to they're gonna have a difficult time i think proving that there was something criminal done here but if they do prove it it'll be a huge bombshell so So, uh you're gonna yeah yeah so basically there's israel ayom which is the newspaper that in israel everyone calls the bibiton eton means newspaper so it's the bb newspaper owned by sheldon adelson um has a very very pro netanyahu slant and basically it was founded to be pro netanyahu uh, but they don't openly admit it right it's it's obvious to everyone but if they openly admit it then you could start questioning if it's a campaign finance issue mm-hmm. um and you know it was sort of this open question it's and- funded by sheldon adelson who also yes. funded the, the trump campaign um yes at towards the end yes um and basically um the there the opposition tried to pass a law that said that you can't have free newspapers in israel because israel Ayom is distributed for free and therefore is the number one newspaper in israel um and that law did not pass netanyahu actually has admitted that part of the reason he dissolved the last government was to stop that law from passing although there were several other reasons as well it wasn't the only one um but this in this case the police found a recording of netanyahu speaking to the editor of yediot Akronot, which is the second biggest newspaper in israel and it was the biggest newspaper was, until yes. uh, israel Ayom uh started uh right yeah and so um he was talking to the editor of, of yediot whose name is also arnon we had an arnon milton before so this guy is arnon noni moses everyone calls him noni um and basically there was going to be sort of a quid pro quo where um, moses was asking netanyahu to support the bill to shut down yisrael Ayom, and then he'll get more positive coverage in yediot now and the reason is What's what's Noni's interest is that to make sell more papers, yeah, yeah. And, and make more money, yeah, to make because Yediot the, the the primary paper. His in Israel pocket again. since Israel Ayom, his pocket was damaged. Like he couldn't get right. uh, as much money as he got before from advertising. So he was driving right. a Maserati instead of a Lamborghini. So you know, <laughs> right, he needed... exactly. So the and equivalent Israel Ayom would... yeah. uh, sells ads for much cheaper than right, other newspapers. Right, right. Yeah, um, and that all the government tenders moved to Israel Ayom too because of that. And, so here and we actually wait, have wait, a recording. Wait. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
and and this recording was made by apparently yeah. although not it's not something we can know 100% for sure but it was apparently by Ari Harrow who's Nintendo, who was Netanyahu's chief of staff at the time who's being investigated for apparently only pretending to shut down his business while he worked for BB but that the business stayed open and now turned now, state witness exactly now he's turned state witness but uh, apparently they found this recording while they were searching Ari Harrow okay and they recorded they had a series of meetings in BB and and yes. and this editor of the other newspaper Noni yes. Moses and they talked and, a lot about the Gingy, which is Sheldon Adelson yeah which funny. and it, those are meetings of hours and hours long that were recorded so I read um, in in full and yes. so you can actually hear hours of hours of of secret discussions right. so the question between the is, two most powerful men one of the two por- most powerful men in Israel right now the question is first of all. There was no follow through. So mm-hmm. that, that law didn't pass. Israel went to elections. It only passed a preliminary reading right. and not with Netanyahu's help. But the law doesn't and, ask for a right. follow through. Well, so and, the, and Netanyahu, or at least the claim that they sort of put in the press, was that they, they wanted to catch Moses. But, you know, if they wanted to catch Moses, why didn't they ever give the recording to the police to say, hey, look, this guy mm-hmm. tried to bribe me? Um, there's a question of whether the negotiate, what they were negotiating comes to the point of it being considered bribery or being considered criminal in some other way. Now, it's not conspiracy this, to commit a crime. I mean, at that point, n- what crime? That's the question. You have to, whether it passes the threshold to be considered a bribe mm, or corruption or whether it's just, you know, supposedly normal negotiations. Political dealings. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, th- these are not the kind of negotiations I have with politicians about stories I write, but, you know, the, <laughs> I also don't own the paper. Um, Yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> um the this brings up another issue though which is that if netanyahu can have a direct influence on the way israelium is produced is there a campaign finance issue here is israelium meaning it's more tangentially related it's not the idea that he was it's not the idea that he was offering so much to you know come back into the limelight but the fact that he was actually proving here that he has a connection right is a direct also a connection yeah. so there, there are different angles on this case that that could end up being you know the, the problem the thing that gets and then we get to case three though wait but i have a, yeah. before we move yes. ahead i have a question i mean the my main question in case 2000 is why were these conversations even recorded Meaning the whole like pulling the wool over Nuni's, you know, Moses's eyes is ki- kind of works in the sense that, you know, it, they have recordings. So they kind right. of proves the fact that they were trying. Why else? Unless Netanyahu wasn't aware of the fact that Ari Haro was recording him. You know, I think he was aware because Haro's considered very, very loyal. So why if Bibi is such a, uh, you know, uh, a well-trained uh, politician... Why record yourself in one of this most incriminating, you know, Who having a, such a I think incriminating he conversation? To just have something on Moses to to keep it in case he needed it. Later. But it's biting him in the ass. Yes, it is. By the way, uh, I heard rumors that mm-hmm. this is a classic uh, strategy Moses uh, upheld against his political enemies was to have uh, all kinds of reporters do investigative reports about the, the biggest politicians in Israel. Then he would put it in a safe. 
And the politicians would know that this, the biggest newspaper in Israel, has something on them, and uh, and then there would be like they would be pressured um, by this newspaper. Uh, I've so, heard that too. Yeah. So, good, good old journalism. So, <laughs> so by I BB, promise I don't see have the, a I, safe of secret stories. No, no, of course. I'm just saying it's sad that you know one yeah. of the leading newspapers in Israel. That's how it functions. Yeah. yeah. So you see the irony here, uh, maybe. That's I just made up this theory, but by BB doing this, yeah. he's using the tactics of his nemesis. They For are sure. nemesis. They are. We need to emphasize that they are um, enemies. They hated each other yes. profoundly up until those meetings. Yeah, and, and after if you too. talk about like, um, you know, people say that Netanyahu is inspired by Trump to lash out against the so-called fake news media. Um, but Netanyahu has been doing this for a very, very long time. He has hated Yediot and, and Noni Moses for, you know, decades yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. He's maybe been inspired by Trump's style because now he uses the phrase fake news all the time. But attacking the media is not new for Netanyahu. Right. So case 3000. It's the Bezik case. No, it's the submarine case. Ah, it's case the submarine 4, case. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Too I many also, cases. Yeah, I, I like get very confused between like which number is they which They should have gave them better the names. Yeah, yeah it's right. not, exactly. It's not. who's. I mean, that's actually on you guys, on, on the journal, <laughs> journalism. Right, that we kept the police names for the cases. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's actually the police name for the yeah. case yeah, files? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, no, the so then it's the police. We should na- we should have named them like a Harry Potter books, you know. Yeah, I thought they were dubbed by journalists, no, but they're dubbed no. by the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the official BB so- in the chamber of uh, <laughs> of Moses, <laughs> the chamber of pink champagne. So okay, so case so the 3, submarine 000. case is is fascinating. It's the most fascinating. It's the most scary yeah. one of them all. Yeah, I, on the most basic level, in one sentence, it's that. Um, People with very high up connections in the Israeli Navy and to the Israeli government were bribed to convince the government to buy a specific kind of submarine from a German company. That's like on the basic level. Now, one of the people who are who's being accused of this is Netanyahu's cousin and personal lawyer, David Shimon. But there are also very senior, like the former commander of the Israeli Navy is implicated in all kinds of senior military figures. Um, and that's what makes it scary that, you know, the submarine, what submarines to buy. And, you know, these are submarines that can hold nukes. Um, that should be a decision made only because of our security right? Mm-hmm. and not. Because of, you know, people want to line their own pockets. Meanwhile, the deal is on hold until the investigation is over because the German company doesn't want to look bad. Now, Israel has plenty of submarines. And we already bought extra submarines. And those submarines that that caused these investigations are extra, extra, extra submarines, which the problem initially was that many people said, why the hell do we need those in the first place? Well, in the security cabinet, from my understanding, the people in the security cabinet did feel that it was something that was necessary. I'm definitely not an expert on this topic, so I can't really tell right. you. I don't have an opinion on whether we need more submarines or not. But, um, you know, the Netanyahu, for example, who's not been implicated in this case, my understanding is he was given, a, you know, an explanation by the army of why he needs these things. And he said, that sounds legit and, you know, signed off on it. Right. So it, it wasn't like at the time it was some sort of big debate that people were questioning. Right. When those deals are being made, uh, a lot of people, middlemen, 
uh, get their little uh, Bom- chunk bonus. <laughs> yeah, their little chunk of cash. Apparently. Uh, little chunk. Yeah. Talking about billions of dollars per <laughs> yeah. submarine. I'm sure they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so people got rich from those deals. Yeah. And now it is claimed basically that um, maybe the decision of buying these submarines was... was yeah N- not so pure right. right now now they're saying it now that they know that you know yeah people are being accused of bribery so there's also another person in this case that's a key person of interest that was turned state witness right mickey gano yeah so can you tell us a little bit about what what he who he is and what's his story um he is a, a like a senior idf officer i don't remember his exact rank and um he had to do with the purchasing he was mm-hmm. responsible for some of the major purchasing decisions. Okay. Many people who leave the IDF um, turn out to be weapons dealers. Um, um, yeah. It's a That's classic move uh, by them. So you see them all around either selling weapons in shady countries or... Not only shady countries, right? Only, I mean, yeah. the the Israel air industry is, is a legit place for someone to go, for right. example. You know... And some of them are middlemen in such uh, deals. Right. Um, so, so you say that Bibi is not a suspect yet in that case, but many. It's news- because of his cousin. So people really connect it because his cousin is his personal lawyer. Now the claim, you know, the the claim that you know the people close to Netanyahu, as they say in the media, um, the the claim that they make is that you know Netanyahu doesn't know anything about his cousin's other clients. Right. You know that those two things are completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, obviously because it's his personal lawyer, not just his cousin, people will make that connection in the press. They're also very, very close. They are very close. He's involved in a lot of negotiations, yeah. coalition negotiations. Some say he's the issues. closest man to BB. So, And there was also an issue that BB... But listen, I mean, I, I don't think that's a smoking gun. I mean, some say he's the closest yeah, man to Bibi, but like, you, you know, he has an entire law office. So True. like, no, I'm sure he doesn't evidence. talk to Sarah about everything. But right. there, there is an issue that Bibi was pushing to cancel the uh, mechaz. How do you say mechaz? The tender. The tender yeah. for or this the for yeah. this uh, purchasing of submarines and to just and to go to this German company, which is uh, what was the name of the company? Thyssen Corp. Thyssen Yeah. Um, to go to the so I mean that kind of uh, again it's not hard evidence but it implicates him in a way that you know he's how can you you know be related to this lawyer he's your personal lawyer you and him are both pushing to get this tender canceled I mean it's kind of it, it, it's shade um, it's one for, I mean to I me, feel like I keep like taking the... the job of defending this <laughs> I don't know why that it's ending up like this but um, I, I would say two things um, first of all the police know better than we do, and they've not questioned him Hopefully. or named him as a person of interest, yeah. at least as far as we know. If that's the one thing that hasn't leaked yet, then maybe. But yeah. uh, I, I doubt it. Um, and the other thing is that in Israel, everything has a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of red tape. And it's a pretty standard practice in a lot of cases for politicians to try to you know, cancel things like tenders and bids that just delay things by months mm. and even years. Okay, I see. So... Uh, you know, it, again, in this case, obviously, it looks bad, mm-hmm. um, but it is possible that it's just that, and yeah. it's possible that it's more than time that. Will <laughs> well, tell. time will tell, right? So most recently, we have case four thousand, which is the, the case Bezik with because Israel was up until not so long ago a very socialist country. Yes, and as part of that, we had monopolies, 
and we still have some monopolies and like the electricity company monopoly and like the phone service monopoly and the phone service monopoly is called Bezek and they control basically the entire landline of Israel and also one of the only two um, uh, internet lines in Israel right. and they are pri- they have been privatized but whoever controls such a privatized monopoly is basically the man and such a man is uh, his name is Shaul Alovich and he's a good friend with Bibi so what happened then so um, <laughs> Netanyahu was also communications minister for a long time now he's not anymore um, and he appointed the director general of the of the ministry the director general is like the highest non-elected position in the ministry um as someone named shlomo filber and basically because netanyahu is busy being prime minister and foreign minister filber was really the guy in charge of the communications ministry and but obviously you know netanyahu had to sign off on things um and filber made a lot of decisions that it's very complicated and technical but basically he made decisions that were going to make end up with Elovich making like half a billion shekels off of them. Elovich, the owner of Bezik, the phone monopoly. Correct. And so people, so there's a suspicion that there was some sort of, you know, cronyism, like, you know, that um, Momo Filber was doing this in order to benefit Netanyahu's friend in some way. Right. So uh, the owner of Bezik, the phone company, is friends with Bibi. Bibi yes. appoints um, the the um, CEO of the communications um, ministry, ministry. Mm-hmm. because he all, he's also the commu- he was he is right. still there was a time where Netanyahu held like five different right. ministries, but yeah, he was the communications minister. Correct. And the Ministry of Communication still has a lot of power over such a monopoly like Bezik, although it's a private company by now. Right, but it's like a private licensed company. Right, so it's like, they're like regulated. Said, it's a private mon- monopoly. Yeah, that's, they're regulated. So in general, the minister can make decisions. Things are heavily regulated in Israel. Yes. The minister can make decisions that would either take away hundreds of, and maybe yeah. give it's like bring him to bankruptcy, or yeah. be, make him richer. Right. The one. Like, now the people, the yeah. state comptroller basically uh, he he already sort of accused. Um, Filber, the director general of the communications ministry, of not doing what's actually good for the people of the country. Um, so, which, you know, would lead you to think, well, who, for the good of whom is he, you know, acting? So we'll just have to see if the police feel the same way as uh, the comptroller. Which brings us, because, you know, love. Yes. It's such a small country. And yes. you've been covering our politics for what? Uh, six years. Six years. Yeah. It is. It's. It feels so corrupt, and the relations between us being so small and everything is so intimate, and the, how much it's corrupt. It's terrifying. How do you see there, all that? Okay, so there are a few things. Um, first of all, just on a global level, Israel's like in a pretty good place in the middle. There's like a global sort of corruption index, and Israel is is kind of average, um, and improving over time. Um, I think for a very long time, in fact, for decades, there was rampant corruption in Israel of the kind you hear about in like socialist countries in general. Um, but you didn't hear about it so much. It wasn't reported in the media. And now, you know, thank God, um, our media really is a watchdog of democracy and it's really reported as out there. Um, another thing is, and I don't want to minimize these things because I think that politicians are doing things that are not okay, but there are things that are 
really clamped down on in Israel that aren't as much in other countries, um, that either the authorities, I don't I'm talking about Western countries. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about like Venezuela, <laughs> um, you know, just falling apart or whatever, but I, the authorities either, you know, they just don't think it's worth sort of undermining the democratically elected government for, or the laws are just different as opposed to, you know, what's considered bribery, what are considered elected gifts. Um, Israel actually has a very high legal standard when it comes to corruption. And so, again, I'm not saying the standard should be lower, but I am saying if you feel like, oh my God, we have corruption all the time in Israel, it's, these are just things to consider. I don't think, I, 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 people sort of don't believe me, but I just, find it important to reassure people that there are actually a lot of really good people in the Knesset who have good intentions mm-hmm. um some are some are more effective some are less effective but don't you it's have not like a, a, it's not a mar- we don't need to drain the swamp i yeah i mean you know there are some people who maybe could do to be drained but it's, <laughs> it's not a swamp have you seen things that made you like, shiver yeah ah uh, off the top of my head or even just bat an eye like not necessarily shiver um, I don't really like the whole demonization of lobbyists, but there are a lot of lobbyists in the Knesset, and some of them are shady people. Right. Um, I don't think that the institute of lobbying needs to be banned. Like, people are just like, oh, lobbyists, they're the worst. But, like, a lot of these lobbyists are paid by, I don't know, like, the Cancer Association, you know, or the Jewish Agency. Like, and, and you know, they're representing new immigrants, right? If we're talking about the Jewish agency and they want to bring those people's interests to the Knesset members. Mm-hmm. And but then you have lobbyists that right, represent then you have binary lobbyists. options. And, exactly. Uh, so it's like you can't, you can't ban the whole institution because then there are a lot of people who need a voice that aren't getting it. But on the other hand, um, there are these like major wealthy corporations that are able to pay for multiple lobbyists and to put huge pressure and that ends up being problematic. So you don't think, sorry, you don't think BB is at risk? Oh, I do think he's at risk. But I don't think he's at risk, like, politically from within his coalition. Right. The thing is, the law in Israel um, allows him to continue to be prime minister if he's indicted. And Netanyahu's spin, no, well, it's not iffy. Yeah, You're making the hand no, gesture that's iffy, it, but it's the not. Law, but it, it has never, never been done. In the past, prime it's minister... It's never, right. So, but the, so know, here's the thing. Like, it... it no, the prime minister only needs to quit if he's indicted with moral turpitude. That basically means if it's a felony and if he's gone through the entire appeals process. So like he, he I mean, convicted, not indicted. I said indicted. So like if right. he's convicted by the Supreme Court, basically. Right. Um, and that could take years. Now, I think if it gets to the point where he's, you know, has to sit in trials and whatever, there will be enough political pressure that he would have to quit. I don't think like that'll happen. did. Uh, that was long was that was indicted. years before he went on trial but i don't think that the political but after after he was indicted no he i was... think he, he quit before he was indicted no I... no 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 he was indicted yeah it wasn't yeah. on all counts because a lot of the investigations continued after that but it, i think it was the after first. They, oh, okay. he was yeah. indicted barack said um, i will not sit with him in the government right. and the so, political pressure barack is is a special person i'm not <laughs> saying he made the wrong choice there um in fact he might have made the right choice there but he is a special person in the sense that he's extremely ambitious and thinks about number one a lot um and i think that the current government and not that there aren't ambitious you know self-serving people in this government but i i think that at least at first i i don't think it'll be an immediate let's jump on it and call an election now i think that if there's more public pressure i think it'll take time 
And I also am not so sure that there will be an indictment before um, the deadline for this government for the next election, which is November 2019. So let's talk a little bit about Netanyahu's legacy because we've been lambasting sure. him like nonstop for yes. the past. Yes, this is why minutes. Netanyahu complains about the fake news media because yeah. he says we only talk about his corruption or so, alleged corruption and not all the good things. So he we're going to fit in a little segment today called "What Did Bibi Do Good?" <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately? So <laughs> I mean, there was the you know we all know about the 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 revolution of seventy seven when the right wing took uh, control of Israel. For and the first time. For the first time. Um, after it was, you know, held by the the left-wing uh, government. For 29 for, years. Since, yeah, the establishment yeah. of the state in 48. But I, I, I feel like uh, not a lot of... Cr- I mean, at that point, things shifted economically, but not quite as much as, you know, Bibi managed to do when he yeah. became finance minister. I mean, he lowered the... Uh, 2001 yeah but also before that when he was prime minister in 96 yeah he He opened up the uh foreign exchange something but he managed (laughs) i am not an economist no but he meant i mean i'm not either but i have some bullet points (laughs) but he managed to lower the income tax from i think it was 64 65 percent to to 34 35 he He lowered lowered corporate taxes I mean, he did, and then he brought around the restoration of the Israeli economy following this, you know, the, the second, second intifada, intifada yes. which, you know, Israel was not in a great state, and he managed to kind of save it, you know, so to speak. Yes. Um, how do you, I mean, do, do you think this is actually his legacy? Do you think that maybe the economy was on the road to restoration anyway? It was just suffering from, you know, and do you think people are kind of just too easily forgetting that? So here's... um. I think Netanyahu's issue with this. he He's, you know, a whiz, one could say, with economics. But on the other hand, uh, because of Israel's socialist legacy and because you have really just like entire classes or entire like population groups of people who don't think that they should have to work for a living um, and they should, you know, whatever, study Torah or... Are you referring to someone's <laughs> yeah, specific I groups? Uh, no, but listen, also in the Arab population, a lot of the women don't work um, by choice. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I would call it choice if my abusive husband uh, forces me. You're you're probably right. Yeah. Choice is not the right word. Um, Because of societal pressure. Yes. Um, And, um, you know, and you have this sort of socialist history in Israel. And so for a lot of people, capitalist is a dirty word. And so on the one hand, Netanyahu saved Israel's economy. And on the other hand, you'll have people saying, you know, people who are protesting on the street of how cruel it is that the child uh, allowances, you know, the the amount that people have children get every month is cut and things like that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but and I mean, I he reduced unemployment. That's... He, I think, cut the deficit to like 1%. No, I mean, there were, you know, things that... I'm just giving the political yeah, sort yeah. of background here. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, when you have someone like Shelly Akhimovich on the other side, for example, she's a prominent um, Labor Knesset member, she will never say anything like that is good, even if the result is good, because as far as she's concerned, privatization is bad. You know, all Lowering sorts of things should be nationalized. Lowering taxes is bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when Israel found um, natural gas off of its shores, she was leading the call to nationalize all of it. Yeah. And... You know, instead, the government, uh, you know, allowed a private company to do the drilling and the selling and Israel's making money off of taxing that. 
Um, so, you know, the, that's the, the debate. It's not, it's not as settled as it is in, in some other places where they're a little bit more free market leaning. Mm-hmm. But why people vote BB again and again and again? It has nothing to do with the economy. I don't think American <laughs> Jews get that. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. I... Okay, as as uh as an American Jew in addition to being an Israeli Jew, um I think that these are two populations that really really don't get each other in a lot of ways, not just because of Bibi. Um and it's unfortunate because, you know, American Jews are our brothers and sisters. Um I think though one of the big things that American Jews don't get about Israeli Jews is the sense that we are under threat. And that security is our number one. Destruction thing. is constantly upon us. Right. Now, I don't walk down the street. You know, I didn't come here to your studio today thinking, oh, no, Iran's going to bomb in five minutes. What am I going to do? I but did. like <laughs> when when people go to the voting booth, that security is the number one issue. Always, always, always. Which makes me And Netanyahu is, is but, tough. But Bibi let rockets fall on Tel Aviv for 54 days, just like three years ago. Um... That is true. <laughs> and and the image is everything. He promised to, to crush so Hamas. Much, and he did nothing people to Hamas. People look at the left. And again, I'm just I'm describing what people, you know, the, the mentality of the Likud voter, as far as I understand it, is that they look at the left and they see these people who don't want to crush Hamas. They see people who want to talk to Hamas, who want to, you know, shake hands and eat us with them. And they say, well, that's not going to work. At least enough of them think that to vote for the right. Now, even on the right, people are negotiating with Hamas somewhat, right? We got a ceasefire after Operation Protective Edge somewhat. Yes. But the, the rhetoric of the right appeals more powerfully to a lot of Israelis who... You know, security is on their mind. They're sending their sons and daughters to the front lines when they turn 18. And I would argue that under Bibi's reign, uh, I say reign because we all see him as a <laughs> monarch. Bibi. But no, but I, under Bibi's reign, yeah. I mean, there has been much less bloodshed than under, you know, most other Israeli uh, leaders. I mean, you look at Omer, he oversaw the Second Lebanon War and Ariel Sharon, you know. Right, I think there's this Barak image. And the, the Intifada. I mean, it's, it seems like... We also like had a little Intifada just you know, a year ago. Yeah, but I mean, how many people... It you was know, still I don't, don't want yeah, I, I really menacing. don't want to. I don't want to cheapen it. But in the end, it is a matter of numbers. And yeah. if you, it's better to have, you know, just, I don't know, couple of hundred dead than tens of thousands i feel like in stabbing the far, you in the, right now <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well, an the, homage to them. i mean so a couple of hundred Just and so one. you can understand how serious it is no but in all seriousness i think that um certainly like internationally like when you look at like far left in, in israel but also internationally when people say like likudnik it's like neocon where it's become this like slur people yeah. use and they think that bb is like a, a warmonger but he's actually in general, not only when it comes to security, an extremely cautious person. Very conservative. Very conservative, very in favor of the status quo in many ways, which is also, you know, why one on the Israeli side, why negotiations are moving. I mean, it takes two to tango and the Palestinians have to do things to make negotiations move too. But on Netanyahu's side, he's fine, you know, just managing things the way they are now. And I think it's the same when it comes to security escalation. He's not looking for reasons to attack. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that he gets a bad rap in a lot of places um, just because he's right wing and also just because he's not going to turn the other cheek. Also, most of, I mean, you know, there's there are rockets. Even this week, there have been rockets that's falling and, and nothing's yesterday. really happened. But oh, to, today, today or yesterday, I was it? I think it was last night. Yeah. Yeah. Depends how long and you've been rockets, awake. Yeah. Um, but in the moment of truth, he also upheld. Uh, so uh, according to foreign news outlets he didn't he chose not to attack iran um right and i don't even think it's according to foreign news outlets we're sitting here now we know he didn't attack iran uh yeah, but yeah. did he choose not to yeah he he almost did and then in the last moment um he yeah. pulled off yeah and uh, against his promises because he promised to prevent iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon in all costs right Just well they before... still don't have one yeah well um and i think that in a few years they I might just have... read an article yeah. on the way here um about president trump talking to senator chuck schumer about iran and whether congress should decertify and trump they, it, trump was quoted as saying to schumer you need to talk to the israelis about this <laughs> so because we go. know our shit right <laughs> these rallies know what's up um so you know at least uh that is one means you know pressuring the united states it, it didn't work too well under obama but maybe it's working right. better under trump and and i think that everyone would agree that that would be better than war what would be better than war reaching our means through negotiations rather than war yeah but i mean sometimes you can't beat dangerous. the persians in negotiations <laughs> i feel like it's, it's go, like go the princess the bride right you can't what, what is it you can't beat the, the venetians in a land war or something like that seriously though <laughs> that you, i you just, just mangled that line it's inconceivable i think yeah no, maybe if you approach them from a more uh conservative hardline uh perspective not like you know obama came to the negotiating table then maybe maybe you can get to some agreement but i don't know if that's i don't know if you're when you're dealing with irrational uh where's uh, professor roman to yeah when you're dealing yeah. with an irrational uh that should be your next nobel laureate that interview. <laughs> we had him oh you had him yeah. oh, robert alman yeah he's so interesting yeah, yeah. so he when you're, say, when you're, Iran, when you're dealing Iran. with uh, with an irrational uh you know uh person on the other side of the table then you know how, how are you supposed to negotiate with them with iran yeah you're asking me that question. If I do <laughs> no, that I'm question, I would, would be. You know? to, we would prefer. I'm saying you said we would prefer. No, I to... meant. I meant that um, it's better for Israel to reach its goals by by pressuring America than by starting a war with Iran. Ah, I see. Okay. Even though that didn't work with Obama, but it, yeah. from at least from that article I read today, and also you know the way Trump talks, it seems to be working better now. Although Trump is extremely unpredictable. So, mm -hmm. so Lahav, yeah. do, do you like your job? I love my job. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's what do you great. like about it the most? Um, it's never boring. Uh, I always, there's just always something happening. Um, and I just find the politics of this country fascinating. And I think reporting on the Knesset is like you, you have like a front row seat to all the biggest things that are happening in this country and things that influence everyone. And we talked about sort of how much bureaucracy and how heavy reg heavily regulated things are in Israel. So, you know, I sit in on meetings on everything from how much uh, Middle Eastern Mizrahi music is played on the army radio station <laughs> to things like, you know, nuclear Iran. So, it, and it, it's just amazing. I mean, to just have a front row seat for all of that. Right. So do, what are your what are your goals for, you know, the near future? Are you uh, 
you know, happy where you are, you're staying where you are? I think so, yeah. 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 Um, I do a lot of speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything coming up? Yeah, I'm about to go on a UK speaking tour. Oh. Uh, sponsored by CAMERA, the Committee for Accuracy in Middle East Reporting in America, except that they're sending me to the UK, which is funny. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, next month in in about three weeks I'm going. So and it's a, it's a campus tour. So I, I will admit that I'm a little bit nervous because UK campuses are very hostile to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken on American campuses, not UK campuses, and those were fine. So we'll see. Really? They were fine, U.S. campuses? Yeah, U.S. and Canada. I spoke at McGill, and McGill also has a lot of Jews, but also has a strong sort of anti-Israel element, but no one came. Like, no one came to protest. I was like, is it me? <laughs> no, but they... <laughs> That's but, offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is that they, I think they, um, they took precautions, you know what I mean? Like, they just, uh-huh. like, emailed the people who they thought they'd be interested in instead of, like, putting up signs around campus. I see. So you're very active on Twitter? Yes. What's your, uh, how do, do we follow find me? You? Lahav Harkov. Right. And also Facebook. Um, we can follow you. You have a Facebook page. Yes, I, saw. I have a Facebook page. Right. Twitter. Yeah. I'm, I'm more fun on Twitter. Okay. 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 <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah. you so much Thank you. for joining Before us. Before we go, you. we have two collaborations. Yeah, we have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal mm-hmm. uh, of Los Angeles, which is a great source of news. Uh, especially Jewish news in the United States. Uh, check them out at jewishjournal.com. And we have another cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, which I'm sure you've heard of. Big fan. Um, which is a 160, almost 170,000 members uh, Facebook group, uh, which has great recommendations for you know uh, events and restaurants and whatever, and just funny memes and posts. So check them out. And also, and also they have a website. Yes. Secrettelaviv.com. Yep. Thank you so thank much. You, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and good luck. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.